as we look forward. Again, I want to remind you to please do set aside the dates of March 18th through May 20th because God is going to do something in our midst that we've never seen Him do before. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be uh, something that, that uh, it's going to qualify for in Ephesians chapter 3, 20 uh, experience. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all, we can ask or think. God is going to show up and do things in our midst that we didn't know he would do for us. We've, we, we know that he'll do it for others. We didn't know he would do it for us. But he's going to do it in this city, in this congregation, and it's going to be marvelous in our sight. Amen and amen. So we are looking forward to that. We are ready now to see what the Lord is going to do and to move forward with what his promises are. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Just let the Lord lead you. Let the Lord guide you. Let the Lord move on you. This is the time to pray radical prayers. This is the time to say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to do and go above and beyond what you have called me to do because he will respond and be with you in that moment. Amen. I'm reading this evening from the gospel according to John, the 11th chapter. John, the 11th chapter, and we will read from the 18th verse of John, chapter 11. We're thankful to all who have come as guests tonight. God bless you. We welcome you to a Sunday night uh, service at First Apostolic Church, Cincinnati, Ohio. I believe the Lord wants to minister to somebody through his word this evening. John chapter 11, verse 18. The word of the Lord says this, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. I'm going to read also from the 32nd verse of John chapter 11. The word of the Lord reads as follows in John eleven thirty-two. 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. So we saw Martha, but now we're talking about Mary. When Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said where have you laid him they said unto him lord come and see by god's grace and his anointing tonight i would like to preach for just a few moments and i just feel it in my spirit to share with someone tonight on this subject when faith and feelings collide when faith and feelings collide Could we go together to the Lord in prayer? Lord, I thank you for your word. Your word is a tower of strength in troubling times. Your word is a safe place. Your word is a refuge and a shelter for us. Oh God, we praise you for your word. We magnify you for your word. 
Oh, I thank you, God. I pray that your word tonight will have free course, that it will move effortlessly without restriction, Lord, through the hearts and the minds of the people that have gathered here tonight and who hear this message. I pray that you will bring great peace and faith, Lord. Hallelujah. Strengthen us in Jesus' name through your word, and we give you praise for it. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Feelings are such a, such a uh, unique thing, and they're hard to describe. They're hard to understand. Where do they come from, and, and what causes them, and what are the particular uh, stimulations that cause them to develop in our, in our being? And yet they're very real. They're invisible, but they're real. They uh, exist, and, and, and we really don't know why sometimes we have the feelings that we have. Uh, feelings can manifest themselves in terms of anxiety. They can manifest themselves in terms of, of dread. They can manifest themselves in terms of, of uh, happiness and eagerness and matters of pleasure and, and of course, in areas of loneliness and, and on and on the list of feelings go. We can get angry, we can, we can get sad, we can get happy, snappy, sappy. I mean, you just go on. I've run out of rhymes for that word, but you get the point. There's just, there's a broad spectrum of feelings that can develop in the mind of an individual and and there are even triggers that can kind of that can kind of set a feeling off into your into your mind and into your spirit, and and you can begin to to uh, develop a particular way of thinking about a thing, and it can affect your whole being, and can actually cause an individual to, if you're not careful, and if you don't know what it is that's happening, it can affect your whole approach to something or your whole outlook on something. Feelings are a real thing. Now, they're not necessarily, when I say they're a real thing, they're not necessarily the right perspective. As a matter of fact, feelings can, can uh, truly taint a, a perspective. And, and the way you should be thinking about a thing or seeing a thing can be greatly altered and distorted by your feelings about a thing. And so you and I have to be very careful because we can become so feelings-oriented that we lose sight of, of reality. And the Bible warns us about this. And so the, the apostle uh, said it this way. He said, we walk by faith, we don't walk by sight. See, that's an interesting way of saying it, that, that sight is, he was warning us, don't walk by what you see, but walk by what your spirit sees in the Holy Ghost. Walk according to the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's faith. And, and so he was saying this. It's important for us to understand feelings have a way of developing through our senses. So, so through what we see and what we hear and even what we taste. I mean, there's, there's some things, folks, 
that when you taste it, it just gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling. Amen. And, and it doesn't matter, it, you know, when it's skyline time, it's skyline time. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and when it's greater's time, it's greater's time. And greater's is he that is in me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. And so it just some, some things just feel right. And, 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 and when you sense those things, it, has a, it just has a, a, a way of getting into your, into your spirit and into your mind and into your, the way that you feel about a thing. And, and so you have to be careful that you walk by faith and not through sensual, sensual perception. And, and that word sensual, it, it comes from that word sense comes from those five senses that we have. And so you have to be careful not to walk by those senses when you're dealing with spiritual things. And, and instead, to walk by faith. And yet there is this, this jostling that can occur between faith and feeling. Faith and feeling are always trying to gain an edge on one another. And this truly becomes... Uh, uh, this truly becomes a reality when you come to a crossroads in life and you have a decision to make whether or not you're going to trust in God or you're going to trust in the arm of the flesh or whether you're going to believe the word of the Lord regardless of what you see around you. See, the things that you see around you, all of it may be contradicting what you see in the word of God. See, God said that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. But what I'm seeing around me just seems to be contradicting that. But, but hold on to God's word anyhow. Hold on to God's word no matter what it is that has developed in your life that surrounds you because God's word will stand in the end. Let God be true and every man a liar. Hallelujah. God is right and everything else is wrong. His word will be forever and is forever settled in the heavens. His word, you can count on it and you must trust in it and not lean upon feelings and, and the sensual perception of things. And so I, I remember hearing a, a uh, pastor's wife who was a, a respected pastor's wife. She's also a psychologist and and I have great respect for her and I remember her saying to someone one time in conversation they were just speaking of of psychological uh, uh, talk and and she just spoke about a particular uh, philosophy and she said well you know people can't help how they feel and when she said that something resonated in me when she said people can't help how they feel and I thought to myself you know if I'd heard you know Dr. Phil say that or something I'd have just probably chalked it off as chalked it up to pop psychology or whatever you know but but hearing her say it and having real respect for her I it, it began to make me consider that and contemplate that people can't help how they feel because there's a part of me that says no no you can't help how you feel you just feel the way you're supposed to feel bless God you just get a grip. You just get a hold of it. And you feel the way you are supposed to feel. And now you can fake it through a lot. You can fake it till you make it. Maybe if you're lucky. But the fact of the matter is you and I in our flesh really cannot truly help how we feel about something. 
It is a supernatural thing that genuinely gets a hold of our feelings and sorts them out and compartmentalizes them the way they are supposed to be sorted and compartmentalized. It is God who begins to deal with our feelings and order them according to his will and according to his word. We don't have the fleshly power to manipulate our feelings deal with our fears, deal with our doubts, deal with our anxieties, deal with our confusions and lonelinesses, and deal with with our temptations, our fleshly power. We might paint a nice facade over how we feel and put a fake smile on and let everybody think that all is well in Joel Urshanville. But the fact of the matter is, I have to lean upon God for him to give me a perfect peace hallelujah a peace that passes understanding and if you're here tonight and you're trying to deal with these rogue feelings that you can't explain that you wish you didn't have warring for your peace of mind you've come to the right place because God wants to heal you of feelings that are tormenting you and God wants to heal you and deliver you in the name of Jesus from feelings that are competing for your faith and competing for your trust it is not God's will for his people to wallow in despair the joy of the Lord is your strength it is not God's will for his people to feel all alone to feel isolated hallelujah because the Holy Ghost has come to bring you comfort hallelujah I will not leave you comfortless I will come to you this is the will of God and this is this is God's will for you so it's important that we understand we may not have the power to truly challenge our feelings and set them right in the way that they should be when we try to do it we end up getting it wrong when we try to do it we end up getting it off base and in in, in, the, in, in a best case scenario we end up getting some semblance of decency going on and then we take great pride in how well we did composing ourselves and collecting ourselves not giving any glory to God who truly is worthy of the praise so we're dealing with feelings tonight and 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 the fact of the matter is everybody has them everybody has feelings I don't care how spiritual you are you're going to have to wrestle with feelings doesn't matter how how devoted to God you are you're going to have to wrestle with feelings there are going to come times in your life where you are going to have to confront the feelings. How do I feel about this? And let me just tell you, it doesn't matter how you feel about something. There is a truth about something. So whether you feel a certain way about it or not, doesn't matter. God's truth is truth. And, and your feeling has to become aligned to his truth. And you can try to force that square into that circle all you want. But in the end, you're going to need a miraculous move of God in your spirit to truly round out your feelings in the way they should be so that you can walk in peace with God. Hallelujah. And so you and I, we can't in our flesh help how we feel. The Bible says it this way. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Anybody wrestle with with wrong desires? Sinful desires? Anybody wrestle with desires you know God isn't pleased with? You don't have to raise your hand. God bless you in Jesus' name. 
But here's the fact of the matter. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. If you will delight yourself in the Lord, he will remove those ungodly desires and he'll replace them with wholesome desires that are crafted by the hand and the presence of God. Hallelujah. He will come down into your spirit and he'll begin to heal that part of your mind, that part of your heart, that broken area of your life that that somehow got distorted, somehow got wounded and, and tried to improperly heal itself. He will bring healing to you and give you correct feelings. One of the feelings I like to pray or prayer that I like to pray is, Lord, help me feel how I should feel. I like to pray that prayer because I, I don't even know how I should feel about half the things coming against me. I'm like, well, I think I feel this way about it. And I, and, but then I don't even know if that's the right way I should be feeling about it. I, listen, folks, I don't trust my flesh. I don't trust my human heart because, because the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. So I don't trust my first initial reaction to something. I want to trust the word of God. And I want to say, Lord, I want you to show me how should I feel about this? How should I think about this? What should be the way that I approach a particular situation? This passage of scripture that we're reading, we're talking about two very, very special friends of Jesus. Their names are Martha and Mary. And Martha and Mary are friends of Jesus, and they happen to have a brother named Lazarus. And they were all three good friends to Jesus. And in fact, the Bible tells stories of Jesus eating in their home and spending time with them in fellowship. And, and people, uh, just not very many people were as close to Jesus as Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So I, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm kind of relating a little bit with the idea that it had to be hard, probably, when, when Martha and Mary got word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, nigh unto death, and Jesus didn't feel like it was important to come to, to, to heal him. I mean, he's a friend. This is Martha and Mary and Lazarus. We are your friends, Jesus. And your friend Lazarus is sick nigh unto death. And Jesus says, I got the message. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let them know I got it and I appreciate it. Now, you got to understand, folks, they're close friends. I mean, Jesus has opened the eyes of the blind who were strangers but won't go visit his friend who is sick. Jesus has opened the ears of the deaf who are strangers, but he won't go visit a friend who is sick. He has, he has fed multitudes with five loaves and two fishes. I don't know that he knew everybody personally, if he had shaken all of their hands, if they all had a personal interaction with him. But what I do know is that they were all fed by the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. And here his friend Lazarus is sick, nigh unto death, and Jesus doesn't even bother to get up and go visit him, let alone heal him. And so Jesus waits it out. He's sick, I know. Please come. Nothing. And so Jesus waits it out until finally Lazarus dies. And somebody then gets word to Jesus and says, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. Jesus responds to that. 
is equally as befuddling as was the response to his being sick. And I just feel like maybe there's somebody here who knows what it's like to feel like you're just calling on God incessantly and you're saying, Lord, it's your friend. I'm your friend. I want, you know, I've had you in my home for years. We've had relationship and we've had connection and we've had community. And, and here I'm in the desperate moment of my life. And I just need you to, I just need you to show up for me. And you feel like your words are falling on deaf ears. Listen, folks, I, I, I know that that's such a frustrating feeling that you might have but let me just let me just bring this to your attention I, I don't know what God's plan is but I've lived for him long enough to know he's always got a plan and it always has you in mind in the name of Jesus this will not fall on deaf ears as I'm preaching to you. Your heart is ready to receive the word of God. Hear it right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what you're facing. And I don't know what feeling has been ravaging your mind and your soul and your spirit. But please know God has a plan for your life if you'll trust him. And if you'll put all of your faith in him. And Jesus is just literally, he's waiting. Like one day passes and he's, there's nothing. There's no reaction. His disciples are with him and they're starting to feel awkward about it. They're like, uh, Jesus, you know, uh, Lazarus died. And uh, maybe we should, I don't know, send him a text or something. Just telling him, so sorry for your loss. Post a tribute on Facebook. I mean, something. We've got to do something. We can't just sit here and not respond. And then Jesus would say things like, Lazarus is not dead. He's only asleep. See, what that tells me about Jesus is this. Jesus has a different lexicon than I do. He has a different dictionary than I do. See, what I call dead, he calls sleep. What I call hopeless, he calls hope. Hallelujah. What I call what I call impossible, he calls possible. What I call concluded, he calls opening up into endless possibilities. He just has a different lexicon than I do. I feel like all hope is gone. He feels like all hope is on the horizon. It's just different. I said he's dead. He said he's asleep. Hallelujah. 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 That's why he said through the Apostle Paul, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. We've lost a lot of loved ones, and we've lost a lot of wonderful people. Oh, but if we could see in the Holy Ghost, on the other side of glory, you will look back on this time and remember this time and say, ladies and gentlemen, I don't even know what I was worried about because the whole time there was something beautiful there was something glorious there was something good that God was working out hallelujah I'm gonna tell you there's a great cloud of witnesses over in the great beyond don't you get discouraged and don't you get defeated you might call it dead but Jesus calls it sleep Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We don't sorrow as the world sorrows. It's a different thing when a saint dies. It's not death, it's sleep. And Jesus said he's not dead, he's only asleep. 
And, 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 and the disciples waited another day and another day until finally the fourth day came. And Jesus said, all right, let's go. Finally. Some have said that the Pharisees believed that the spirit would leave the body after the third day. And that all hope for the body to be raised from the dead was, was over at that point. So some scholars have, have thought maybe Jesus waited to the fourth day to show the Pharisees I don't need your superstitions to do my work and to, uh, to demonstrate my power. I'm going to tell you, he doesn't need any of our superstitions. He doesn't need any of our calculations. He doesn't need our little one plus one plus one, one times two times whatever. He doesn't need any of that. All he needs, ladies and gentlemen, hallelujah, is faith, faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. We don't need a whole lot. Just use what you've got. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He gets up and he goes to where Lazarus' funeral has now taken place. And he walks up. The Bible says into Bethany. He wasn't even at Bethany just yet. It was about 15 furlongs off. He's not even in town yet. Somebody told Martha, the sister of Lazarus, that Jesus was on his way. And Martha left Bethany to go meet Jesus. Now you got to understand, Martha and Mary, these two sisters, they're sisters, but they are very different from one another. We have a account in the scriptures where Jesus is having dinner in their house. And while he's having dinner in their house, the Bible says that Martha is busy caring for, Je- caring for Jesus and taking care of Jesus and providing the food. And thank God for Martha. Amen. Everybody ought to praise God if, you, if you've got folks in your life that have the ministry of Martha. The ministry of Martha is a wonderful thing. And, and Martha had this 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 nurturing i want to care for jesus i want to provide for jesus and she had provided this meal and she was cleaning up setting the table and then cleaning up the table and all of this was going on and then she looks over at mary and mary's like knelt down close to jesus hanging on to every word just keep on teaching jesus keep on feeding my spirit keep on feeding my soul and jesus is just pouring out he's having conversation and communion and mary is eating it up and enjoying the presence of the lord jesus christ and martha is like running dishes back and forth from the table to the sink looking at this and finally she says jesus would you please tell my sister to get up and help me with the dishes And Jesus said, Martha, thank you. He said, you are careful and troubled about many things. And and basically he was saying, I appreciate that. But he said, but there is no substitute for what Mary is experiencing. She hath chosen that good part that shall not be taken away. Now these are the words of the Lord Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing better for us to do than to soak in the presence of God. There is nothing more nourishing, nothing more edifying than to be in his presence and let his presence wash over us. Let his word wash over us. Let his spirit wash over us. If you haven't been in a good old-fashioned presence of God in a while, you need to do it and you need to do it soon. You need to talk in tongues again in Jesus' name. You need to get drunk in the Holy Ghost again. 
in Jesus' name. You need to weep, hallelujah, in his presence. You know that good kind of weeping. That kind of weeping where your stomach hurts when you get done weeping. That kind of weeping where you dry your eyes and you just keep on weeping because you're in his presence. You're happy, but you're crying. You have joy, but you're crying. You're in the presence of God and you're soaking up, hallelujah, the glory of your creator. You need that. You don't underestimate that. Jesus said that's the good part that shall not be taken away. When all of the world is is turned against you, you're going to have to cling to that good part. It's going to be that presence of God that pulls you through. It's going to be that presence of God that sustains you and anchors you. And Mary hath chosen that good part that shall not be taken away. And so he said, don't begrudge her that. So here comes Martha. And Martha is practical. Martha is pragmatic. And she walks up to Jesus. And notice what she says. She can't hide it. I mean, she loves him. But she's got feelings. And her feelings are that if he would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And so he says to Martha, she says to Jesus rather, she said, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. And Jesus said to her, now listen to what he says to her. I love what he says to her. He says to her, your brother is going to live again. And she responds by saying, oh, I know he's going to live again in the resurrection. And Jesus said to her, Martha, essentially he said, Martha, see, you need to understand the resurrection better. You have the resurrection pinpointed as a date on the calendar. You have the resurrection as an event that will take place sometime in the future. But he said the fact of the matter is the resurrection is not a a, a what. The resurrection is not a when. The resurrection is not a where. The resurrection is a person. And I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. That is a profound revelation. She walked out, brought her feelings to Jesus, and said, Jesus, I need you to understand that this is how I feel. I love you. I'm glad that you came to our house when you did. You mean the world to us, but I can't help how I feel. If you would have been here, my brother would still be alive and he gave her one of the most profound insights into the character and the nature of God I am the resurrection I am the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live Martha believed it so strongly she said even now even now you could speak the word and my brother could be raised from the dead She went back and she found Mary and said, Mary, Jesus is here. He's on his way. You know, I love what the Bible says about about Mary because the Bible says when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master has come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose 
quickly. Now Mary was in there mourning and grieving and lamenting. But as soon as she heard that the master was coming and calling for her, she arose quickly, hallelujah, and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house comforted her when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out. They followed her saying she goeth unto the grave to weep there. When Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. She fell at his feet. That's different than Martha. Martha didn't fall at his feet. Martha was different than Mary. Martha was busy. She was careful. She was troubled about many things. She was practical. She was pragmatic. Oh, she had feelings all right. And she expressed those feelings to Jesus. But Mary had a different reaction. She fell at his feet. But notice that even though she fell at his feet, she said the exact same thing Martha said. She said, Jesus, if you would have been here my brother would still be alive. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. Mary was the spiritual one. Mary was the one in prayer meetings. Mary was the one worshiping God all the time. Mary was the one soaking in his presence. Mary was the one that couldn't get enough of him. Mary would just sit at his feet and let him teach her and let him impart to her words that were spirit and life. And yet when tragedy struck, Mary had feelings. Feelings that she couldn't reconcile on her own. Feelings that she couldn't cry away feelings that she couldn't grieve away feelings that she couldn't mourn or lament away they were real and they were there and they were feelings but when she heard that Jesus was coming she knew exactly what to do she arose quickly and ran hastily unto Jesus and said I know what to do with feelings that are out of control I know where to take rogue feelings that I can't seem to harness feelings that have me feeling all sorts of ways feelings of sadness feelings of depression feelings of loneliness feelings of grief feelings feelings I'm going to take every last one of these feelings and I'm going to bring them to the feet of Jesus and I'm going to be honest with him and I'm going to tell him how I feel hallelujah hear what I'm saying folks Can, can you hear me right now Let me tell you something, when you have a relationship with God, you don't have to put on a fake smile in the prayer closet. When you have a relationship with God, you don't have to go to him and act like you got it all together. He knows you don't have it all together. You need to just collapse in his presence. You need to fall down. She fell down at his feet. She didn't bother trying to be strong. She didn't bother trying to make him think as if she could or as if any of us can make him think that she had herself composed and collected. No, a thousand times. No, fall down at his feet and tell him how you feel. These are my real raw feelings. If you would have been here, he'd be alive. God, that's how I feel. That's just simply how I feel. The Bible doesn't use that word feeling very often. But there are two times where it does. 
And one of those times is one of my favorite scriptures where it says, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. In other words, the high priest we have isn't somebody you have to put your guard up when you're around him to make him think you're all spiritual and everything. No, no, he feels what you feel. He knows what you're feeling. Collapse in his presence. Don't go looking for some other kind of a refuge or some other kind of a shelter. Those are ghost towns. Those are facades. Those are false senses of security. The Lord is your refuge. The Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is your fortress. My God in him will I trust. I'm going to fall down at his feet and I'm going to tell him how I feel. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, that's when you know you have real relationship with God. I'm not saying be disrespectful. I'm saying be real. Tell him how you feel. He's not afraid of, like he doesn't already know. Well, I could never tell God how I feel because I don't want him to know how I feel. Well, good luck with that. Wow. He is the all-seeing eye. He already knows how you feel. He simply wants you to confess it. Put it out there so we can deal with it. So we can heal it. Hallelujah. And he's going to turn that feeling. Right now it's fear. He's going to turn it to faith. He's going to take that feeling. Right now it's loneliness. He's going to turn it to faith. Hallelujah. He's going to take that feeling. Right now it's sadness. He's going to turn it to faith. Right now it's rejection. He's going to turn it to faith. Right now it's despair. He's going to turn it to faith. Right now you name it. I don't care what it is. If you'll give it to him, he'll turn it into faith. He'll fix it. He'll turn it around. He'll heal it. He will heal it and prepare you. Prepare you for the road ahead. He'll do it. Take your feelings to the Lord. We used to sing an old song that said, leave them there. Leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Bring them to the feet of God. Hallelujah. I wish you could go through the book of Psalms. We think of the book of Psalms as a, as a book of praise, and it is. All throughout the book of Psalms, praise the Lord, sing unto the Lord, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's just, it's just praise, 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 praise. But there are a healthy number of Psalms that are full of lamentation, that are full of question, that are full of why, God. As a matter of fact, the psalmist predicted through his own life experience, he prophesied what the Messiah would say upon the cross because of his own life experience. And he said, my God, my God. You want to talk about a tough question in the scriptures? Because there are a lot of tough questions. There are a lot of tough questions. In Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah can't, he can't even deal with his life. He's like, I don't even know why I was born. 
He said, cursed be the day I was born. He said, listen to what he said. Listen to Jeremiah, the weeping prophet he was called. The weeping prophet. Doesn't that sound so amazing, the weeping prophet? Well, not if you're the weeping prophet. This guy wept because he was going through so much in his life and he was so he was so bent out of shape and the persecution was so severe that he had a feeling. It wasn't a right feeling. You have to understand, it was not a correct feeling. It was not a right perspective. But he didn't hold back when he was talking to God. He said in verse 7 of Jeremiah chapter 20, Oh Lord, listen to this. Thou hast deceived me. Oh, that's how I feel. I, 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 I thought coming into the ministry was going to be good. You know, I just kind of wanted to preach a camp meeting. I didn't know all hell was going to break loose on me. That's, I just wanted to get up and tell everybody Jesus saves and we'd all shout and rejoice and talk in tongues. Next thing I know, they're trying to kill me. And he said, oh Lord, thou hast deceived me and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him. He's telling, he's being honest and transparent. He's saying, I came to a point in my ministry where I was like, I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm not preaching another message for as long as I live. He said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. But that was futile because his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side. Report, say they, and we will report it. All my familiars watched for my halting, saying, Peradventure, he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. Now, here's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. He had these feelings. He actually felt deceived by God. That's, that was a wrong feeling. It was an incorrect feeling. But that's how he felt. And he opened up to God in prayer and said, God, I don't know what to do with this feeling you don't have to live in condemnation for how you feel bring it to God in prayer I don't care what kind of a feeling it is if it's a sinful feeling bring it to God in prayer if it's an unhealthy feeling if it's any kind of feeling bring it to God in prayer that's how he can heal it so he goes on to say, but the Lord is with me as a mighty terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. But O Lord of hosts that triest the righteous and seest thy reins in thy heart, let me see thy vengeance on them. For unto thee have I opened my cause. Sing unto the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. For he hath delivered the soul of the poor from the hand of evildoers. Do you see how it changed? It started out as, God, I feel like you deceived me. But by the time, by the time that prayer session was over, he was singing unto the Lord. You know, the devil loves to shut you down and make you feel like, don't you dare bring that to God. 
He'll blot you out of the Lamb's book of life if he finds out you're struggling with that feeling. He already knows you're struggling with it. He eagerly wants to heal it. Open your cause unto the Lord. Don't let unhealthy feelings fester. Bring it to God in prayer. Elijah said to the prophets at Baal, that that amazing experience where he called fire down from heaven. And all those 400 false prophets of Baal were dancing around, cutting themselves, calling on Baal, and nothing was happening. And Elijah said something in that, in that whole interchange. He said, I, even I, am left only as a prophet of God. Do you know what? That wasn't true. He thought it was true. That's how he felt. But that wasn't the reality. He was not the only prophet left. He thought he was. His feelings of loneliness, his feelings of rejection had convinced him that he was the last person on earth who loved the Lord. And then Jezebel said, after after the Lord responded with fire and the prophets of Baal were destroyed, the scripture says that Jezebel said, who is this Elijah? Where is this Elijah? I'm going to kill him. And this man of God who had just called fire from heaven ran for his life because he had feelings of fear. He ran into a cave. He's hiding in a cave. And while he's in this cave, God begins to speak to him. Still a small voice, amazing experience, amazing passage of scripture. And he speaks to the Lord and he says to the Lord what he told those prophets of Baal. He says to the Lord, see, it's one thing to, 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 to vent to people. You may not come to understanding when you're, when you're expressing your feelings to people. You may never come to true and appropriate understanding of how you should be feeling. But when he brought it to God and said, Lord, I and I only am left as a prophet for your name. And the Lord, because he brought it, because he opened his cause to God, because he laid his feelings at the feet of Jesus, was able to correct his perception and heal his feeling. And he said, you're wrong. I have 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. He would have spent the rest of his life with a false impression that he was alone unloved rejected unneeded unwanted that he had no place in this world that there was nobody like him but when you bring your feeling to God he corrects what needs to be corrected heals what needs to be healed adjusts what needs to be adjusted and begins to administer his mighty power to Martha he gave her a profound insight I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. But to Mary, he saw her weeping at his feet. He didn't give her any profound revelation. He didn't give her any profound insight. He simply said, show me where you have laid him. Show me where you gave up. Show me where you threw in the towel. Where you thought it was hopeless, where you thought it was helpless, where you thought it was impossible. Mary didn't get a revelation necessarily. She got something better. She got a demonstration, which brings a revelation with it. I'm going to tell you, we can arrogantly stroll up to God any way we want to. Square our shoulders, cock our head, and say, this is how I feel. 
and you might come away with some better understanding. But if you really want God to move in your life, fall down at his feet, and you can tell him however it is that you feel, and he will have compassion on you, and he will move upon your circumstances. I wonder if there's anybody that can lift your feelings to God right now in the name of Jesus. I wonder if there's anybody in this house right now that could say, God, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with these feelings I have. They're just there. They're just there. Maybe they're feelings of bitterness. Maybe they're feelings of resentment towards somebody or some, some group of people. Maybe they're feelings of failure. Maybe you, maybe you feel like you've wasted time and resources and you'll never be able to get it back and, and it's giving you anxiety and maybe you're feeling of dread for the future whatever it is that you're feeling any loneliness here in the house of God tonight I rebuke it in the name of Jesus I rebuke it in the name of Jesus let the spirit of the Lord come right now to you and administer healing into your mind healing healing into your heart healing into your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ feeling there's a lot of times people wrestle with feelings of that wasn't fair that that wasn't right God that wasn't fair and, and listen God's not intimidated by that and he doesn't hold that against you bring that to him and lay that down at his feet and tell him God I just this is how I feel this is how I feel hallelujah could we stand together in the presence of the Lord right now in his presence thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. As we begin to sing, and the Lord's going to move in this house. Something I learned again this week, and you can count on it. Anytime you have an irrational feeling about something, it is a spiritual attack. I want to say that again because this is very important that you get this. Anytime you have an irrational feeling about something, it is a spiritual attack. If you have an irrational fear, that's not just a feeling, that's a spirit of fear coming against you. If you have an irrational feeling of rejection or an irrational feeling of loneliness, that is a spirit coming against you trying to rob you of the joy of God. If you have irrational feelings of, of anger towards someone, it is a spirit that is coming against you trying to prevent you from walking confidently in the fullness of God's joy and peace for your life. Don't let the tr devil trick you. Be not ignorant of the devil's devices. Do you know there is so much compassion inside of you waiting to be unleashed upon your community, upon your family, and the devil has got you so locked up inside your feelings? Do you know that there is, a, there is, a, there is an abundance, a well of living water springing up into everlasting life? Don't let that, don't let that statement get lost in the in the myriad of biblical statements to where you just oh yeah a well of living water springing up into everlasting life do you know what that means that means inside of you is an untapped well that is waiting to spring up and heal people around you you have kindness that is just boiling beneath the surface waiting to emerge with such with such volume and such beauty and such power and the devil has got a locked lid on it because he's got you trapped in feelings you should be giving to God. 
So all that compassion lays dormant under the surface of your soul. And all of that, those healing words and encouraging words, all that joy you have, all that peace you have to give to somebody until you bring your feelings to God and say, God, I, I don't know what to do with them. So I'm going to bring them to your feet. That's when God can begin to heal your spirit and heal your mind and heal your life. Can we do it right now? Can we do it right now? Can we bring the feelings to him? I want somebody who's got some feelings running rampant in your spirit right now. You don't know what to do with them. I want you to bring them to God right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, rogue feelings. Feelings you don't want anybody else to know about. You don't want anybody else to know you've got these feelings. That's all right. God already knows. Bring them to him. Lord, I lay them down at your feet in the name of Jesus. Lord, I fall down at your feet and I bring to you my feelings. Hallelujah, God. Feelings of fear, bring them. Bring them to him. Bring them to him. Lay them down at his feet. Feelings of loneliness, feelings of rejection. Bring them to him in the name of Jesus. Feelings of anxiety, feelings of dread for the future. Bring them to him. God, I give it to you. Come on, if you're wrestling with temptation and there's sinful, sinful feelings trying to creep up into your spirit, bring them to God. Don't hold those back. Don't just bring him your praise. Bring him your praise. Bring him your pain. Bring him everything you've got. Everything you've got. And all I need is you, Lord. Hallelujah. Is you, Lord. Hallelujah. And all I need is you. And all I need is you, Lord. Is you, Lord. All I need is you. All I need is you, Lord, is you, Lord, and all I need is you, and all I need is you, Lord, is you, Lord, all I need is you. And all I need is you, Lord, is you, Lord. And all I need is you. And all I need is you, Lord, is you, Lord. All I need is you. Yes. And all I need. 